right. Yeah, I'm so excited about Borderlands 3. It's going to be such an exciting release. I'm, I'm really hoping that I get my collector's edition on release day because I ordered from 2K and like I picked the standard shipping option, the one where they don't charge you an arm and leg. Cause I'm already, I was paying like 270 some dollars for it. Yeah, I think, I think on 2K, I, I picked an expedited shipping option and it was like 292 or something like that. And then it was like 275 through GameStop for the other one with just standard shipping. So we'll see which one comes first. Very cool. Yeah, that's going to be a really exciting edition of the game. Um, there's so so much awesome stuff to talk about this week. And actually, I did watch some of your videos as well. I watched, actually, <laughs> I shouldn't say some because I literally watched like the last 12 videos that you put out on Borderlands uh, yesterday and today. So really big fan of your content. So really, thank you so much for all the awesome content that you've been putting out and also for being on the podcast with us tonight. Really appreciate yeah, you being course, here. Man. I made a way, on you guys yesterday, but kind of last minute thing. It was <laughs> better for me totally anyway. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if it worked out, it worked out. I just, yeah. I didn't want you guys to think like, uh, ah, fuck these guys are backing out. Like <laughs> something actually came up. No, no yeah. dude, totally cool. Um, keep, you reminded me, Cornelio, um, on one of your videos, I think it was the third to last you posted. You were talking about the characters um, that you. Am I echoing right now? No, I'm not. I'm hearing it. You're good. Okay. Um, it. You were listing all the characters that we haven't heard anything about them being in Borderlands Three. You didn't mention Sasha. Is that yeah. an accident or is she? Uh, in- I, I kind of picked like the most major ones I wanted to discuss. Okay. So I didn't know if you uh, knew, knew something I didn't. Or... Yeah, no, 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 no. I, uh, there are things I know that have been right. locked away in the safe. Like right. chat asked me a million times and you know, people in the discord and like, I'm upfront about it. Like, you know, I, I know depending on who you ask, whether it's, you know, gearbox or somebody that watches my videos that was starved for information. Some people will be like, wow, he got me through it. Other people at gearbox are like, you know what? This guy's a dick. We don't want to work with him." You know, <laughs> regardless, I doubt they'll see it. I've said it a whole bunch of times. Like, you know, whatever you want to think, like leaking is part of the thing. I wasn't the one leaking. I was just the person that was being told. I shared some stuff and, you know, uh, it came from a place of extreme excitement. And for the last six or seven months that I've done that, I, I've told everybody, like, this will be the year of Borderlands. This game is going to come out and blow everything else away. And it probably will end up being in the discussion of game of the year so it's gonna you know, be huge i i know what's going on with you know tanis i know what's going on with you know some of the more twists and spoilers and stuff like that and people are like oh well, why don't you talk about it? you know it's the same reason people don't want you to spoil the new avengers it's like it's a dick move so right. you know there's some ethics behind it like I'm sure if somebody else got this, like they probably just info dumped and been done with it. Whereas for me, like there's just some stuff where I'm like, all right, if I talk about that, like that's horrible. So it's kind of where I've always been at in terms of the info. And then in just in terms of like certain characters, like 
you could probably, if you watch closely, see how I react to certain questions and you'll be able to get an idea of, all right, he might know something, but it's not something like I believe in transparency and to a degree, you know, you can't go all the way through, but you know, there, there are things like the big twist with Tannis that I do know, but I'm not going to divulge that because that spoils a big part of the game. Right. I completely agree with what you're doing. I don't, I wouldn't not think that was wrong if I was at gearbox. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to plenty of employees. I mean, there was a turning point early December when, you know, I was friendly with a decent amount of people, including Jolts and K6 and things went south. I mean, I don't know if I did anything to anybody in particular, or it was just, you know, all right, you got to distance yourself from this guy because, you know, maybe some people thought I went too far. Maybe, you know, it was something that came from the top. I'm not sure, but you know, I had a good relationship with K6 for a while. And then, you know, it kind of slowly got to the point where we don't chat anymore. And I mean, my assumption was that probably came down from the top. I mean, we saw that, you know, you had a bunch of people with borderlands three on their resumes and then, you know, we found those reported on those. And then like three days later they were scrubbed every single mention was gone. So at the very least they were aware and I've DM'd in, on Twitter with Randy Pitchford himself. So, you know, I know they're aware of me and my assumption, you know, has always been that depending on who you ask at the company, I'm probably like, eh, to, all right, this guy, you know, we're not doing anything with him. We're not endorsing him, blah, blah, blah. And you know, it is what it is. Did you get invited to the uh, May first uh, event? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I I'm not exactly torn up with over it. I mean, it would be nice to go out there. Um, I don't know if there would be any like you know stress between people, but for me, like at this point with the way I've been going, like it's not meant to be shade towards anybody else. But I'm not in anybody's pocket right now. I'm not being wined and dined, and I've already made connections. Uh, you know, nice guy. I'm going to leave him nameless for now offered to, uh, give me his raw recording when he gets home, uh, from that event. And I gave him some inside tips on things he should be ask about that could help his content. So fair trade. And, uh, I won't be under any NDAs and I'll be able to speak freely. Whereas, I mean, the other people, <sighs> I mean, I don't necessarily trust people. That's why I watch ACG. I get his reviews. I know I don't have to worry about him being paid to say something because that's what he's built on. And, you know, he's somebody I definitely look up to in the space and his attitude on it. So, you know, I doubt Carrick will ever see this, but I mean, I appreciate it. And I've mimicked some of what I do around, you know, what he's done. Right. Yeah, I think uh, ACG, he's a really great uh, content creator. I've yeah. followed his reviews for a really long time. Haven't really listened to his podcast. I know he has a podcast also that's been uh, out yeah. for a little while. Mm-hmm. But he's a really great content creator and one of the one of the people I have a lot of respect for in this industry. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of people just trying to get their, their quick buck and, you know, when it ends, it ends. I understand, like, you know, you want to do some paid promotion or something. That's all right. You want to you have an affiliate code. You want to work with, you know, some gaming chair or a PC company or something like that. That's fine. But, I mean, for me, I really don't trust people that are paid to play a game. 
and what they have to say on it. Like more often than not, unless that person's absolutely huge, you can assume that there's some censoring going on. I mean, I'm the only one in my space that said anything about the Epic Game Store. I mean, I was I was really? very diplomatic about it, but I mean, everybody else is like, oh, it's just a launcher. Like, all right, let's have a little bit of a conversation and be adults here. Like, there are some glaring issues, and this was disappointing. You know, we don't have to scream and yell and act like kids, but, you know, you can have a conversation and say, like, look, it's missing a lot of features. There's a lot of issues, and, you know, the the whole story gets more weird now that they're selling it on third-party sites like Green Man Gaming and Humble Bundle. You can avoid any security concerns with your credit card information if you're not confident on it yet. I know they've added offline and, you know, two-step authentication, which is a step in the right direction. But ultimately for me, if I buy through one of those, like I avoid those transaction fees and look, I, developers should get paid, but at the same time as a customer, I don't want those like that stuff shoveled onto me because you want to be better to devs. There has to be something in the middle. Like nobody likes having those fees when you, you know, buy a ticket to a concert and you owe Ticketmaster 10 bucks or whatever, or you try to pay something online and you owe them $2. Like there's gotta be some middle ground there. Right. We had a great conversation about this on our first episode. It was something I mentioned that I feel like not many people have talked about because not only, I think whoever developed Metro Exodus, I can't remember. Yeah, I think so there's like ones. Okay. I think they're the only ones who've done it, but like when they switched to Epic Game Store, they dropped the price from yeah. 60 to 50 and they're like, well, now that we're making more money, we can drop the price for the consumers. And Which so like, was a great thing to do. And I played Metro right. Exodus. I was one of those like 100K people or whatever that pre-ordered the game in the last 48 hours that it was available over on Steam. And it was a fantastic game. And ultimately it wasn't their decision. That was Deep Silver, just like 2K made this decision. You know, you can be mad at Gearbox and unfortunately Randy does get a lot of the shit because he's the lowest hanging fruit. Like Strauss Zelnick's Twitter account is private. Most people don't take the five seconds to search who they should be mad at. They just see, oh, this guy's the head. I'm going to yell at him, which isn't right. I don't condone it, but you know. When people are mad, they're not going to put the effort in. They're going to scream at whoever's closest. And unfortunately, because he's so public and you know he doesn't censor himself, that's where people go. And it's got to be a nightmare. I mean, I dealt with it on a very small scale when I was talking about what would be in the game. You know, was, Reddit hated me. Reddit gave me death threats. People told me I was full of shit. Mac went after me. Vinyl like Puma went after me. All these different people. Oh, he's full of it. Oh, I look where we are now. It's <laughs> like, you know, you either got to think I'm taking the entire community for a ride and I'm the biggest jerk ever, or I'm extremely passionate. Like you can't make this up. I mean, I'm not that creative. I'm sure some people are, but I certainly am not. I actually had a really great interview last week with uh, Rami Ishmael, who is a video game industry legend. Like he's been in the business for 15 years. And I asked him about, you know, what's going on with Bungie and Activision and why did all of the decisions take place that took place within those companies? Why 
do we have so much turbulence with Bioware and, and EA? And he brought up some really interesting points about how these companies are just simply not making enough money. They're not, they're barely recouping their costs because it costs so much for them to build the video games. And of course. for example, destiny received 500 million dollars from activision to produce destiny Mm -hmm. they were expecting to get at least 1 billion to recoup yeah i mean i don't doubt it look i know games are expensive but at the same time you know you got a budget man you can't blow through your budgets you can't go willy-nilly i mean Think about the biggest movies, what their budgets are. I mean, ticket prices compared to what a brand new game costs, a very different number. You know, I I can feel for that. I've dealt with budgeting on a different scale, but I do finance for a living. These people got to look at their books. Their CEOs and C-level employees can't make $20 a year and then shovel it off to us. You know, you got yeah. Activision paying zero in income tax and then getting a return. This stuff is happening and it's not our fault. It's people who are making way too much money. I mean, Strauss Zelnick, he makes zero, but he owns like 600 million in take two stock. Like, if you look at the Nintendo guys and these guys and the different companies where the people at the top aren't making more money than I could even comprehend. We wouldn't have this issue, but you have a bunch of suits making 15, 20 million a year, and then you're laying off 700 people or whatever it was at Activision. Look, I feel for those people, but at the same time, as somebody playing the games, this is not our job to keep you in business. If if you're not meeting our needs, you'll eventually go out of business or you'll need to change. And I, I get why they're going for Epic, and I get what Epic is trying to do. It's just... You know, they're they're doing patchwork at this point, in my opinion. I don't know if either of you read Dr- Jason Schreier's story about um, Anthem and that, its development process. I didn't. I did hear about it, and I did put out a video like three months before then saying that there was massive trouble at Bioware, and I got reamed for it. I was like, all right, I'm not doing <laughs> Anthem content. And then it all came out, and I was like, this is what I said. I wasn't mean about it, but like, there's issues here. They, yeah. you, know, you get the devs overworked. And like I talked about studio closing and horrible health at the studio. Like clear, like my favorite part about that, which I haven't wrapped my head around is like, there's people taking anything I said at face value regarding borderlands. But then I say something about Anthem. Oh no, you can't be right. Right. Well, and what do you like, mean? <laughs> like to your point about them just like throwing money at the wrong spots in the You're development right, process. Yeah. They, Apparently, because Anthem had been in development pretty much since Destiny 1 was. Yeah, 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 I did hear that. they had brought, like, a game. They had brought the full Anthem game, which was not the same live service game that it is now. They had brought it to the higher-ups, and they said, here's this game, we have it, it's ready now. And they said, scrap it, we need a live service Destiny-like game. Yeah, I I did hear that. So I've caught bits and pieces. And, I mean, that's unfortunate, man. I... You got to, I mean, you got to feel for the devs. I mean, at some point, I imagine 
if things continue bad, some of the old guard of Bioware are going to get shoveled out. I mean, I don't think Casey will be thrown out, but I imagine, you know, these guys are going to be the ones to take the blame, not the publisher, you know, telling them, all right, you know, this isn't what we want, do it over. And now they're working 90 hour weeks and stuff like that. That doesn't fly. And it's, it's unfortunate, man. Uh, you get a lot of younger kids that do this stuff and they don't realize, you know, what goes on and how things are. And that's why, you know, you see Gearbox always trying to hire people when there's layoffs or, hey, we've got a job opening or, you know, you get the retweets. Like the same thing goes with the Obsidian stuff with the Outer Worlds. Outside of the suits at Obsidian, the devs didn't know it was going to be an Epic st Game Store exclusive. I did like a couple of weeks before and I was like, that that really sucks. And then sure enough, all the stuff came out and you saw the devs being all pissed off and upset. And, you know, I just hope people didn't say something they shouldn't have on Twitter and get fired for it. But I mean, you got people that don't care making decisions. You know, publishers are there to make money. A lot of people get mad about Andrew Wilson of EA. Oh, this guy's got to go. Well, you look at how he's soared their profits He's not going to get fired. Look at what he's done to the stock prices. Look what he's done to their earnings. This dude's a Harvard grad. He's a smart guy, but he's the bad guy in a lot of eyes. But to the stockholders, he's the second coming of God. Hello, Vault Hunters, and welcome to the Borderlands Show podcast. I am your host, Cornholio, and I want to welcome you to episode three. We want to welcome on the show a really awesome YouTuber, Supmato. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's such an honor to have you on the podcast, and thank you so much for being on with us. Uh, Supmato is a really awesome YouTuber who puts out content. It feels like almost on a daily basis, you are putting out new stuff about the upcoming Borderlands 2 and some cool Three. stuff about... Borderlands 3. Rip. That's what I meant. That's a bad habit. You gotta break. I do. I do have to break that habit. We'll work right, on we that. got some new stuff coming. You're not entirely wrong. But there's they're new stuff in Borderlands 2, isn't there? Yeah, they're working yeah. on something. We've got that rainbow rarity, which everybody's like, well, what if this is nothing? It's like they didn't put it in the game by accident. <laughs> now we have stuff referencing, you know, infected states, healing states, things that could be a horde mode or something else. Like these are new things that were added to the game in 2019. This game came out in 2012, and there hasn't been support for it since like 2014. This doesn't just end up here. They don't do hundreds of updates on Steve DV. Like, you're not exactly wrong there. There are new yeah. things coming to Borderlands 2. What they exactly are, maybe May 1st will tell us, but there's more. And we will talk more about that later on on the podcast. Uh, we're going to go in depth on all of that. We're going to talk about the May 1st event. We're going to talk about some new elemental changes that may be coming to Borderlands 3. We'll talk about microtransactions in Borderlands and so much more. And before we dive into the conversation, I also want to welcome my co-host, Caleb. How are you tonight? Good. It's a pleasure as always. Oh, absolutely. And 
the excitement is heating up. We are just less than two weeks away from the May 1st event. It's exciting. And we have a lot of new information that broke very recently about not only Borderlands 3, but also Borderlands 2. But before we talk more about that, I do want to get to know Submato a little bit more. And of course, we have Submato as our special guest this week. He is a respected Borderlands YouTuber who puts out awesome Borderlands 3 content almost daily. He has been playing Borderlands since Borderlands <laughs> 1 and has been on YouTube since 2013. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, this channel, <laughs> yeah. there is another one that is unrelated. But yeah, I, I started in 2009 and uh it was just me and my buddies screwing around eventually created the channel i have now started doing something completely different you know video games have always been you know something i've done my whole life eventually started doing content for it and you know i started with let's plays and then eventually you know i started doing just like you know little montages and eventually you know i got to the point where i wanted to start doing like more produced content with scripting and things like that so you know i started doing some reviews and eventually you know i started talking you know opinion pieces on stuff that goes on and always played borderlands you know i always played I always thought, oh, you know, it's not worth doing content for it. Game's old. You know, nobody wants to see this. And then finally, I just got to the point. It's like, you do this as a hobby. What's it matter? Started doing more Borderlands content. And then here we are. You know, this is pretty much predominantly what my channel is about. If you don't mind me asking, what is your other channel about? Uh, my other channel does not exist anymore is a channel okay. by the name of Matt MTB 25. And you know, it was just me and my buddies. We did like skits and things like that. Just goofy stuff for us to watch. And eventually, you know, I, I downhill mountain biked for a long time and did the skate park thing. So we started doing like edits and things like that. And, you know, eventually I started to travel. So there'd be GoPro footage of me riding trails. I've been up to Canada, you know, a half dozen times to ride. So just, completely different from what i do here right you have a big athletic background don't you yeah i i grew up playing baseball traveling all over the place i went overseas and you know everything pointed to you know at least giving it a shot at you know going pro and then i ripped my rotator cuff and that was it man yeah i mean it happens to so many people you know i going and going and going you know, I got accepted to a private school in high school the whole point that I studied as hard as I did was because they had a very good baseball program I got accepted and uh you know I got hurt shortly after and end of the dream <laughs> <laughs> that story reminds me a lot of you know molt gaming I do not he's a big he was big with clash of clans um clash royale and I think he does a lot of like balloons TV now but he was the same thing he was he had a scholarship to play baseball and then he threw out his arm and yeah, a couple of my couple of my buddies made it through college got drafted uh one kid made it and he got up to triple a and then uh ownership and management changed within the padres and anybody over 25 got cut 
So he might have made it, but he got cut. He made it up to AAA almost, and then uh, that was it. And he decided to, you know, go the adult route and, uh, you know, go into work. So nobody that I grew up with made it, at least that I played with. I heard that you had played against Mike Trout. Is that right? Yeah. So he's he's from South Jersey, and uh, I'm from Central Jersey. So we've crossed paths when we were much younger. That's crazy. I'm yeah, a huge yeah. Fan. It's, not, it's not like, you know, I would have known to look out for him then, right. of course. But yeah, my dad, uh, my dad kept all the books from when I was growing up for, you know, each game we played. And uh, it was, I think it was like eight or nine cross paths. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Cool story. It's a slim, slim chance to make it. But, you know, that guy, he, he may go down to be the best that ever played. Yeah, he may be. Don't get hurt. <laughs> Do you ever consider going back into the sports field, maybe as a coach? Uh, Baseball-wise, that's the only traditional sport I keep up with now. I mean, I'm somebody, I go to the gym literally every day like it's stuff i like to do i'll play pickup and stuff like that but i don't think i'll be coaching or doing anything like that i mean if me and my wife eventually have kids down the road and they end up playing i might coach but um outside of that like i'd still need to get surgery to fix my shoulder to be able to like actually you know throw and do all that sort of stuff so um it doesn't affect my day-to-day you know i I do have to do some stuff like lifting wise I have to be careful about, but throwing, you know, any more than, you know, a football or you know, if I want to do it more seriously, you know, I'd still have to get surgery. What was your position? So I was somebody that kind of played all over when I was younger. I mean, generally speaking, when you're younger, you know, you have the two best players pitch and catch and switch <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because those are most important. But, you know, once we started playing AAU and traveling like the country and eventually overseas, I played uh, first base and I'd pitch. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 6'4", 220. So um, eventually I outgrew playing shortstop or anything like that. So I ended up playing first base more predominantly as arm trouble came up. And then eventually um, I stopped altogether and I just, that was my main position. I played first in high school too. It's by far my favorite position. Now, do you think that you would maybe consider doing streaming full time now that you're more in the gaming yeah, I mean, streaming's always been secondary to making videos. Uh, I do enjoy streaming, but you know, if we get some hot news, uh, be hopping off the stream or canceling the stream to cover the news because that that's much more like where my passion is. I enjoy streaming, but I mean, I'm thinking in June when I do leave my job, I probably stream a little bit longer each day. But I, I don't see a point where it'll switch unless, like, you know, I lose interest in, you know, covering news or whatever, which I've been going for a while. So I don't think that'll be the case. As of right now, I stream like 15 hours a week, Tuesday to Saturday, and I might bump that up to like 2025. But I also have plans to do, you know, more produced content where, you know, 
start doing a little bit of graphic work and make the actual visuals of the video a little bit more uh, exciting, a little more stimulating instead of here's some gameplay and I'll throw in a tweet or whatever I'm trying to make a point of and uh, go from there. So mm. trying to trying to learn as I go. And do you do all the editing and everything yourself? Yep. I, uh, outside of that, I think the only thing I've had help with is I had, uh, my art guy Cole do like emotes for the stream and, uh, like some t-shirt designs. And I had another guy do like my channel header, but outside of that, everything's me like self-taught myself how to edit self-taught myself Photoshop and, you know, anything else kind of just learn as I go. So. And you're using Adobe Premiere, correct? I'm using Vegas 15. Oh, really? Vegas? Okay. Yep. I uh, That was the first one I learned on, and it's on the list of things to ditch because it's not the most stable program. Yeah, I've been trying to learn Adobe Premiere lately, and it's, it's a bit of a challenge to figure it out and to, you know, fig- figure out how to put video together and how to edit but uh, it's definitely an exciting challenge. Yeah. I mean, the biggest, the biggest hurdle is just, I imagine I'll have different shortcuts and I, I know like all the shortcuts for Vegas at this point. So that'll probably be the, the hardest part about switching. Yeah. How much time do you spend um, actually like producing content for YouTube? Uh, depends video to video. You know, some stuff that is more of an opinion piece usually is less time. But, you know, like if, for example, like I did the trailer breakdown when we got the trailer finally, you know, that that was something that probably took me five probably five hours between, you know, going through and scripting. And then of course you're trying to show every little, you know, nuance detail. So requires more editing. You want to draw the eyes to what you're actually speaking about. So, you know, you got arrows, you got circles, you know, you're zooming in and zooming out. So, you know, if it's something like that, it's a lot longer, but I'd say like the general video, you know, between scripting and everything is probably like three, four hours probably closer to three anything that's more in depth or a bigger project, you know can balloon fast but generally speaking like i'm not the type of guy that makes the 10 to 15 minute video like i usually just say what i want to say and get out my videos are usually like four to seven minutes long you know if i do a 10 minute video you know something crazy happened or you know there's just a ton to talk about how long was your trailer breakdown video I think it was like nine minutes, nine minutes, maybe pretty quick breakdown. Yeah. I mean, so I focused on things that I knew other people were going to talk about. And unfortunately, uh, for them, I have a little bit of an advantage. I knew beforehand what gearbox was going to do. Uh, I received a tip the night before told me to set my alarm early. So I was streaming the mask of mayhem breakdown immediately, like within two minutes of the trailer coming out. And then, uh, that same individual had told me what roughly gearbox was going to do at PAX, uh, East. And, um, I wasn't like, you know, cactus HD or anything like that dude literally put like a 35 minute trailer breakdown 
up like a minute after the trailer was shown. So I didn't get wow. the head start, but um, I it's advertising. This isn't again meant to throw shade at any creator, but I do have my inside sources. So I have an advantage there, which means a lot of the things that I discuss, you know, I can give you more and link up things. And, you know, some people could notice those things, but they don't have an explanation for you. You know, I have at this point, it's probably closer to 20,000 words of sourced info over the last six months on characters, planets, and all kinds of stuff. So with the breakdowns, I, I wanted to take my time and, you know, miss out on getting it out faster compared to really having something that was more in depth, I guess. So, you know, the second trailer that came out, I released the video like three days later, but from any of the other stuff that I looked at, there's some stuff in there that, you know, is a two or three frames. Like if you didn't scrub it at like 0.25 on VLC and literally go frame or frame by frame, you'd miss it. So, you know, it's because I want to do good content, but it's also because, I mean, this is a passion of mine. You don't do videos almost every day on the same franchise if you don't give a shit about it. Yeah. Like I it's don't... long been my favorite, like looter shooter there has ever been. And I don't think that, just like you said, you shouldn't even try to get it out. Like stick to what you're good at. Don't try and get it out as early as possible because, you know, I watched five or six breakdown videos and one of them, I watched maybe they put it out three days later. I, the content creator's name left me. I don't remember it, yeah, well that, but that's it was smart. like a 59 minute breakdown video mm. where he broke down every single frame. Yeah. Which is like, that is a true breakdown. You know, some people want that other people want the five minute. Oh, here's the most important stuff. And for me, like, I didn't include everything, but eventually it became a topic for a later video to specifically speak about those details. Like if you go through the trailers, like you see all of Flack's skills, you see all of Amara's skills, you get massive hints on Zane's skills. You can see, uh, like most people didn't notice uh, in the advertisement, like I had spoke about the new element back in, I think the end of December, which I said was like nuclear radiation. And uh, in an advertisement on Instagram, they actually show because they have the new brand loyalties. Uh, they actually showed a Molly one shotgun with radiation. So I was like, well, there's your proof. This is perfect. And, uh, I mean, I have a lot of help. I'm not going to lie. Like people, I keep my DMs open on Twitter for the very reason of people. Hey, did you see this? Most of the time it's something I have, but occasionally somebody really has an eye like a hawk and sees something incredible and, uh, it, it helps out. And I do my best to always credit it back to whoever found it, but it's not just me. Like I'm not, I'm not some savant when it comes to it. Like when we were breaking the codes, you know, mental Mars came in and helped with, uh, the codes of the actual games. So, you know, Randy, I, I don't know if he stopped doing the Nerdvana podcast because things were getting too busy and he didn't have time or because he was giving too much away. I mean, he gave away the code names of, 
quite a few things. I was able to link that up with uh, the Iron Bear stuff, which we knew was a code name of one of the characters, which eventually we linked to Moe's because him talking about it gave us the details that we needed to do the content and actually break that. And then, of course, uh, a viewer of mine that I'm pretty close with lived in Texas and frequented the uh, Nirvana like coffee oh. shop and eatery. And <laughs> this dude, he has a drink on the menu called the Calypso Twins. So, you know, <laughs> of awesome. course, I, I did content on that back in, I think, January. And it's like people are like, well, I mean, it's not proven. And then, of course, when it all came down to uh, the trailer, everybody was like, holy shit. And I was like, that's just got to be him, like, you know, lifting the edges of the scab, just talking about it a little. And he actually said on Twitter, uh, probably a couple of weeks ago now, that that was there for like a couple of years prior to the announcement. So it was there all that time. And it took me probably four or five months of, you know, talking to people and verifying things. And then somebody that watches my videos going, hey, did you notice this? So. I mean, who the hell knows what else we could have found with, you know, more help or whatever. But I mean, it's exciting. It's like the rabbit hole is fun to go in when you're passionate about that topic. Yeah. Right. So, Sup Matto, how'd you get started on YouTube as a content creator? Um, so, you know, we touched on it a little bit. 2009, I made the channel, you know, just literally recording random stuff i think i bought one of those like uh hundred dollar cameras that you know you just have the you know the the record button and as a tiny screen it's just like a handheld thing like a phone making stupid skits or filming my friends and i riding dirt jumps or at the skate park and eventually i made this channel and believe it or not like i did like um more like rant style stuff on different topics and chucked through a bunch of different things and eventually ended up here. I mean, for me, that sort of stuff was always kind of foreign. You know, I, I did sports, you know, I went to school, I got my degree, I went into finance, like not much creative stuff going on there. So it was always a good outlet. You know, I didn't mind putting a couple hours into a video that a hundred people saw or whatever, because, you know, this is not something I probably would have ever done in his career. I didn't have any formal training. So it was something so different that even at the end of the day, when you're shot, it's just like, all right, I can do something completely different. Awesome. And eventually I linked that up with a longtime hobby of mine. You know, I started playing games on the Sega Genesis with, you know, Sonic and the old football games. Eventually, Love you know, Sonic. I've played games. Yeah, I mean, I've played games my whole life. I've talked about them my whole life. You know, my buddies play games a lot too. My brother does, but nobody wants to talk about them as much as I do. So eventually I just threw it at whoever would listen and yeah now i have a six-figure audience which is tough to wrap my head around you know looking at the numbers one thing but like when you think you know i looked at my analytics 1.6 million unique people watch something i did last month i don't know if i'll ever be able to like wrap my like that's a that's like a small city of people it's it's weird <laughs> and I, like my content hasn't changed. Like I still was always passionate about what I was doing. It's just, you know, I, I guess I have 
I mean, it's a service industry. I, I I mentioned it when I hit 100K. Like Bo Burnham said something about like your comedian, content creator, any of these things, service industry. When I stop serving you, that's it. So for me, like I believe in, you know, putting the effort in and earning it and things like that. And I, I don't know if that resonates with people or just like what I have to say or a little of both. You know, it's not for me to decide, but, you know, we're here I'm going to try to continue doing better and make the most of it. But I mean, in the long run, not much has changed. I mean, I learned a little bit more about audio and things like that. That's on the list to ditch the USB mic and go XLR. But, you know, all these things cost money. <laughs> so I think a one lot thing of people, time. I think a lot of people don't really understand how much of a grind it is to start something as big as a YouTube channel. Like you said, you're, you still haven't gone full-time yet, but you're planning on doing it soon. Yeah. I mean, officially I, uh, I had a few people make like a thank you video for me. So I, I kind of like let it out of the bag for my stream, but yeah. Um, June 30th will be my last day, you know? So That's awesome. it's, uh, still a ways off, but yeah, it's going to be crazy where like, I have no responsibility for work other than YouTube. And, you know, I've, I've had many conversations with my wife and she brought it up. Cause I said, I, you know, I don't know if I'd ever do it full time. It's so vo volatile and, you know, things happen. So yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta be pretty exciting and scary all at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I went back six, seven years and I didn't have a mortgage, I wasn't married. All right. It wouldn't matter. But I live in New Jersey. You need a decent chunk of change to pay your bills, you know? So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm in New York, so I can definitely relate to the. Yeah, I mean, the tri-state tri area. I mean, for the most part, the Northeast in general is pretty pricey. You know, taxes are bad here. So. Yeah, you know, if I was living like in Colorado or, you know, Texas or something, I probably would be doing it full time already. But in New Jersey, unless I move, you know, you just, you know, you gotta you gotta make five, six thousand between the two people working to like actually like afford things and live somewhat comfortably. Like, I'm not Mr. you know, lavish spender or anything like that, but still. You need a rainy day fund. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you mentioned you just broke recently a hundred thousand subs on YouTube. So congrats on that. Yeah, appreciate and that, man. Thanks. Now, with that, what are the challenges that you faced as a content creator getting started? And what are some of the challenges that you're continuing to face today as a content creator? I mean, starting is learning. I mean, everybody that started did the content was terrible. Like, let's be honest. You you can go back and look at some of my early video game videos and they're terrible. They're still there, but they're terrible. You know, I'm using $20 turtle beaches. You can't see the game. Things are messing up and it's the learning curve. The more people that watch you, you know, you got to make sure you absolutely do not make any mistakes, you know? So 
starting out is the learning curve. I do believe depending on what you're doing, the learning curve is pretty high. And now it's just, you know, making sure I don't get complacent. I think that's the biggest challenge. And just the amount of like eyes and mouths, you know, you got a lot of people, a lot of people watching, a lot of people yelling back at you. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up closing my discord DMS and, uh, I still have my Twitter DMS open. I don't know if, uh, I'll close them, but, you know, I try to keep up. I try to respond to everybody. I try to give everybody a fair shake, but you know, it's, it's a mountain. I thought my work emails were bad. This is, uh, (laughs) this is, I get way more, you know, this is a lot of people that are just trying to help or appreciate what I do. You know, I, like I said, I had a lot of trolls and a lot of people like given death threats and stuff like that, that's pretty much subsided. The people that wanted to do that have either gotten bored or saw that I wasn't trying to take them for a ride. So now it's just a lot of people looking for answers or think they found something. And, you know, I can appreciate that excitement. So, you know, I might not be super punctual on when I get back to you, but I I start every morning when I'm, you know, taking my pre-workout and I'm having a quick bite to eat answering people across, you know, any of the platforms or checking the comments and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, it's just, it really does become more of a job. And I'd say balancing that is probably going to be a challenge at some point. It hasn't really been something I've thought about because I'm just, I've said it so many times, like Gearbox, every single day we find out something new. Sometimes it's not always the best news, but there's always something to chase, something to talk about. And as somebody that's a super fan of the series, it doesn't feel like work. But at some point, you know, there'll be that balance where, you know, all right, you know, I could keep going, but, you know, you got to hop off at some point and take care of yourself. So those are things that I expect to have to learn. But yeah, I mean, overall, like that's the beauty of YouTube. You know, you have a lot of channels out there that what they do is not highly technical. What got them started isn't great. It's just the personality. So, you know, some people are great at playing games like Shroud. You know, you watch that man play an FPS, you're blown away. Some people like Dunkey. The videos aren't highly technical. The editing's not great. He's a pretty funny guy. And then some people like a lot of the educational channels that I watch, which, you know, everything's graphics, everything's well done on the voiceover, highly researched. So it depends on what you do, but I would say don't get an ego and be willing to learn, you know, just because you hit a number, like you didn't get there by yourself. You know, I can't do this for work if nobody's watching. And uh, like I said, there's been plenty of people that have helped me along the way, whether it's code names or otherwise. Very cool. That's that's really great. And now I know we talked a little bit earlier about the Epic Games exclusivity. And we know you're not very much on board with this idea, but what what do you feel happened with this exclusivity agreement? And why do you think this is a bad idea for our industry? I mean, exclusivity is bad, period. I will preface what I am about to say by saying that I don't like that through Steam. This is not a Steam fanboy thing. Yes, I've spent a lot of money on Steam. I have used Steam for a long time. I like Steam, but 
if Steam started signing these deals, I wouldn't like it either. You know, whether it, it's Steam, it's Epic, you know, these 50 different launchers that are popping up. The bottom line is when it comes to the Epic versus Steam thing, Epic's doing it the wrong way and Steam is not innocent. They are sloths. They have sat on what they've built for a long time and they were not ready for competition. And now they're gonna they're gonna have to play catch up. Supposedly we have a complete overhaul of like the store's look and UI coming in June for a beta, but Valve time probably won't show up until early next year. They need to get their shit together. And with Epic, you know, I will preface what I'm about to say about Epic by saying, I know they have a roadmap. They're a big company. I'm not going to take their word for it. It doesn't matter if it's Valve or it's Epic or it's Gearbox or whoever. I, I change my thoughts and opinions when I see action. And right now, the Epic launcher uh, the epic store they're they're bullying their way in the market by you know buying exclusivity and look it's great for devs it's great for this but bottom line is they have security concerns there's major features being you know just straight up missing and if uh you want to say like oh but steam doesn't do this steam steam took a while to get where it got i get that and you know Epic just needs to give me to give me a reason to be there. As of right now, the best news I've heard in regards to the Epic Store is, you know, they're doing third-party stuff. So Green Man Gaming, Humble Bundle, I can avoid the transaction fees. I can avoid any security concerns with uh, my credit card information. And they added offline play. They added two-step uh, authentication to get into your account, which are both great things. Will help my view on them, but. Like I'm an adult. I have my opinion today. The game doesn't launch until September. My opinion can change. Prove to me that I should be there. I put my money where my mouth was. I put my content out. I bought the PlayStation 4 Collector's Edition. I, as of today, plan on playing on my PlayStation 4 Pro for six months until Steam is available. And the reason why the exclusivity is a problem is just bottom line, they're not doing it right. I'm not saying that I don't want devs to get paid. I'm not saying that I'm mad that people are able to make more money, but like you can't expect a consumer to come to a absolutely anti-consumer platform. And then on top of that, the you're not making enough money. So you're shoveling fees onto the people buying the games on your platform. You know, I've talked about, you know, some of the other concerns with no reviews, no forums, slow support. And Steam was guilty of that not that long ago. So it's just something where, you know, um, I, I guess I'll compare it. Fortnite, people hate to talk about it, but Fortnite and the Battle Pass, they did the Battle Pass the best. Apex did a shit battle pass and it's hurting them. Steam has done all this stuff right. And the reason why Epic is catching shit is because Steam has set the standard. And, you know, very recently we had Randy Pitchford complaining that Steam's cut is absurd. Well, 2K as a publisher makes enough money where that drops to 20%. It's not 70 30, it's 80 20. And now, it's being sold on Green Man Gaming and Humble, which are 70-30 and 75-25. So it's it's a bad look because we're learning things that don't make sense. And it really most likely is just, you know, 
publishers taking the money and running and they don't i don't think they really truly care otherwise so um if epic proves to me that they're gonna get better and they want to get better awesome but as of right now steam is where we want to be and i've said it plenty of times release a high profile game on each platform right now steam will blow epic out of the water because people don't want to be on epic right now let me ask you this you said you don't really approve of the way epic games has gone about it which i agree with um but we did talk about before the podcast started and and me and cornholio talked in episode one about how metro exodus you know got that they dropped the price by ten dollars because they were making more money on epic stuff like that (laughs) is undeniably pro-consumer yeah that's that's uh I mean, as I've said, I, I'm not somebody that uses Epic, but yeah, that's a great example. I mean, as somebody that, as of right now, would prefer to use Steam over Epic, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and you know shush shush away anything that's good. Epic added offline; they added you know two step authentication, and what Metro did was great. But I was also one of like the hundred thousand people in the 48 hours before it was removed from the Steam platform that pre-ordered there to, you know, have the better experience. And um, that was unfortunate, but, you know, that's, I think these next couple of years are going to be a little turbulent with the, the warring between Epic and Steam, but that would be a good thing for publishers to do to get people to come over to Epic, drop the price. Steam probably ain't going to do that. The only thing that really could give them an advantage is the high-profile releases that come to them. And Microsoft and uh, Valve seem to be pretty buddy-buddy. I mean, Gabe is an ex-Microsoft millionaire, went on to found Valve. So I imagine there's some contacts there. Getting MCC over on Steam's great. Supposedly, we're getting the new Steam VR and a few games from Valve this year. I, I doubt it as I said, valve time, but yeah, I mean, as somebody that is pro consumer, whoever proves to me the most that I should be there, that's where I'll be. And as of right now, refunds through steam and support through steam. And again, I know it wasn't always what it was now, but that doesn't mean that Epic gets to get away with it. It's a competition. They, they don't get the same time. That's just how it is. Right, and I think once Steam uh, tries to match Epic, which they will, I don't, I don't think they'll go that far. Really? Yeah, because what they provide developers costs a good amount of money. Interesting. You know, the cloud, the the forums, the infrastructure, the this, the that, the dozens of features that Steam has that Epic doesn't. I expect them to lower the cut, but they ain't going eighty-eight twenty or only- twelve. But I, the only thing that makes me think they will is that Epic won't stop, and they're going to keep adding features and improving security. So I yeah. feel like Steam's going to have to do something about it. Yeah, they'll they'll do something, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I I don't think they'll go that far. Valve still has some stuff up their sleeve, and uh, they still have the massive market share that they do, and like ninety. 2 million monthly users i think so the interesting thing though that i do want to mention is valve doesn't have the same pull 
with somebody that's 13, 14 as they do with somebody that's, you know, 20 to 30. Valve hasn't put out any massive hits or any fan favorites in a long time. I mean, you're talking the end of the first decade of the 2000s. You know, they did CSGO, which they don't really, you know, care that much about. Dota, of course, but the Left 4 Deads, the Portals, the Half-Lifes, all those, those are very old games in the grand scheme of things. So I think if Valve were to bring back the uh, the thing that everybody wants, hey, maybe, maybe that will be that uh, break in case of emergency type of situation because we know the general idea of Half-Life 3 and quite a few other things. So, But yeah, Epic does have unlimited money right now. Fortnite would have to tank, but they still have the, the Tencent money. So it's going to be interesting. I think because of is. Fortnite, they also have the younger... Yeah, and that was my exact point. Yeah. You know, me at 20, 26 remembers playing Half-Life, Half-Life 2, Left 4 Dead, Portal somebody that is in middle school or early high school, they go, oh, Epic, Fortnite. I mean, how many people think Epic, oh, Gears of War? I do, but even that generation's like, oh, wait, they did that? No, it's it's been sold and they moved on. You know, the Epic and Cliffy B, Gears of War trilogy, hardly anybody thinks of that now. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I know that a lot of people don't really consider the fact that especially with PC gamers, PC players are very attached to their platform of choice. Oh, absolutely. Like, especially with with things like Steam, I think it's their comfort. That's where they have all of their achievements. And I know you mentioned this in one of your uh, videos that you released not too long ago. You know, it's people's uh, game saves, their achievements, their friends are on that one platform. So it's a pretty big inconvenience to ask a player to completely change where they play the game because the experience is going from being a very comfortable experience to being something that's foreign and unknown and not the way that you're expecting it to be as a player. Yeah. I mean, we're creatures of habit. Yeah. I I do I mean some people might think it's sad but I I almost do the same thing every day and that's what I want to do I want to wake up I want to go to the gym I want to work a little bit on the days that I stream I stream you know I'll go grab a bite to eat with my wife and you know we'll hang out and do that and like look some people want to travel and do all that stuff that's not what I need and you know I just, the Epic Store, even if it was an equal experience, there's got to be more to pull me away. It's got to be a lot better. You know, eventually everything, you know, it's got to step up and step up and step up. I mean, Battle Royale genre, for example, you know, it started off with the Arma mod and then, you know, it became, you know, H1Z1 and then you have PUBG, then you have Fortnite, you have Apex, you have all these different companies trying their hand at it. The ones with the player base are the ones that gave a better experience. So Epic has to deliver something better to pull the people away that are already attached to what they do. Just like the Borderlands fans, the uh, the original looter shooter, as they've called it. You know, Destiny surely pulled some away, but most of us didn't. 
you know, Anthem. I'm sure it pulled some people away, but most of us didn't. Same with The Division. Until a truly better experience comes along, it's going to be hard to uproot people, and that's why Epic is forcing our hand. I mean, they know. They're smart. I mean, that's why it's been disappointing to see a lot of the Gearbox developers. Like, you guys went into making games because you like games. Like, what's this... I don't know what else to call it, but some of them like just have their head in the sand, man. Like maybe you don't care if it's willful ignorance. That's fine. Like that's, that's okay. Not knowing what's going on, but like, I don't know, man. I don't know if people got jaded or, you know, they just got a mass of hate and they don't care. But I mean, at some point these people, I mean, I've seen plenty of Gearbox developers complaining about other games and stupid shit that other companies have done. But when we do it, I mean, when we do it right, you know, constructively diplomatic in our approach, we're not raising our voices, we're not swearing, it should be at least heard. I mean, I see Randy on Twitter like every other day, somebody brings something to his attention, like Humble and Green Man. And he's like, oh, that no, that's bullshit. And then he comes back. Oh yeah, no, that's that's right. Like, I don't know, man. It's a bad look. That was an it's a bad look. Interesting it's conversation. Just, <laughs> I just, I just. Now, how do you think that Borderlands will handle microtransactions and DLCs with the third installment coming out in September? So, what they've told us so far is that all of the DLCs that are they're i'd assume they're currently telling us not that are planned or at least i hope so will be here by september 2020 we know that there's going to be weapon skins echo skins you have the echo net 3.0 from what i've been told there's some integration with like how you view like I guess similar to, you know, where you'd look for your skill points, it might actually be like a a physical echo device. This is not something I know, but I mean, it would line up with the echo skins. We also have uh, trinkets. We also have, um, you know, character cosmetics. So the cosmetic approach is going to be heavier, but I mean... I don't believe everything that comes out of Randy's mouth, but his approach on microtransactions, I wholeheartedly believe and will back up and argue and fight that he is being truthful. This dude has been unwavering on predatory microtransactions, especially in premium games. He's been a critic of, you know, the Star Wars Battlefront stuff and, you know, some of the more aggressive stuff, you know, not naming names, but sounded a lot like Destiny 2. And, uh, I think it'll be more aggressive. Uh, Apparently there's taunts and emotes, so I'm sure some of those will be dropped. Some of them will be paid for. But, you know, I'm cool with it, man. I really am. A game that I'm going to spend that much time in, you know, I've spent a stupid amount on Counter-Strike stuff. I've had knives. I've had a Dragon Lore. I've had things like that. You know, if I'm going to... Well, if I make the money and I have the means to do it, who cares? Some people may argue, but if I'm spending hundreds of hours in a game, I don't mind kicking some money to the developers because a skin looks cool or whatever. I did it in Fortnite. I did it in Apex. I did it in Counter-Strike, Rainbow Six Siege, all these different examples. Overwatch, you know, I might not be a mainstay on some of those games anymore, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You don't have to buy them and they don't, you know, 
affect the gameplay. So um, make your money gearbox. Just make sure it doesn't get into, you know, the loot. Make sure it doesn't get into the golden chest. Make sure it doesn't affect end game. And yeah. I'm cool with it. And it's not like it's not the same thing comparing Fortnite to Orlando Three because one's free. But to your point, when I was really into Fortnite, I spent a stupid amount of money on skins. But it was yeah, probably it was justified because you know I was I was like it's free. I'm supporting developers and I yeah. play this game a lot. I would still exactly. do that with Borderlands Three. So yeah, and the game's sixty bucks. So if a skin costs twenty, then I'm gonna have something to say about it. But if it's the right price point, then it's fine. I mean, uh, that was a major criticism of Apex Legends. Your skins are not the same quality, nor are they the same overall value as something like Fortnite, but you're charging the same. You know, the Fallout 76, for example, monetization scheme was way too aggressive. So right. as long as they hit it right, I'm going to speak very positively about it. But if it's not, I again will probably be the only person really complaining about it in my space because I'm the odd man out on the stream team and sponsored content and the hashtag ad stuff. And, you know, at this point I pride myself in that. So, you know, I don't want to hurt the game, but you could have an adult conversation about, Hey, this is not exactly lining up with what it should be. So Cosmetic only, right price point, great. I will support it. I'm sure I will spend a couple hundred and shit, this is my job. It'll be a tax write-off now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, there's a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I mean, I, I think they're very attentive. And I, I think they know what's been going wrong with uh, the industry lately. And I think Gearbox is full of smart people. They might be temperamental. They might rub you the wrong way on social media. but I believe there's a lot of people that are very good at what they do doing it and it'll show in September. I firmly believe that. Well said. Well said. Now, what are some of the things that you are most excited about with the upcoming Borderlands three release? Um, most excited. I mean, outside of like actually getting my hands on it, you know, uh, shout out to Kobe with the reborn mod. Uh, things were starting to get a little dry on the previous games. And then once I started playing reborn, I actually play borderlands too. In my spare time again, that's how much I'm enjoying that stuff. So, um, eventually that'll get stale. So playing borderlands three, of course, I'm looking forward to, um, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the things that, you know, I might be like 60, 70% on that I've gotten like insider stuff on. So uh, there's quite a few things that uh, probably look a bit loony when I, I do stream it because I'll know it's coming or I'll start laughing like, wow, you know, that was actually correct, even though it sounded outlandish. But uh, I'm most excited for Eden 6. Uh, it looks incredible. Uh, of course, I do know a little bit of the story that goes on there, and I'm excited for that. But I mean, it looks Jurassic. You've got, you know, you've got different species. Just the fact that we're leaving Pandora is, even if the rest of the game didn't look great, which it does, that would be enough for me to spend the sixty bucks it's just so to explore somewhere else. And uh, that's something that Gearbox is great at environments. I think that's part of the reason why the pre sequel uh, uh, failed. 
a lot of it looked the same. And mechanics in that game were thrown out the window for like half of it when we were indoors. So um, it just looks like the variety is through the roof. It's funny you brought up Kobe. We're actually having him on next week. Um, yeah, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. I, I speak very, very highly of him. You know, credit where credit's due. I'm sure this dude spent hundreds of hours for free doing this for the community. You know, um, you know, and it was for the benefit of us. So, you know, I want to make sure people know who did it and who it goes back to. So I'm sure that'll be a good episode. But yeah, I mean, he's the one that found the rainbow rarity is the one that found the new stuff in the code. He has skills that I don't. So, you know, another person that's helped us uncover things. And, you know, I may have gotten the ball rolling with the SteamDB stuff, but his skills are much more uh, inclined to find something than mine would because when i look at code it might as well be a different language yeah we're <laughs> really excited to have captain kobe the podcast yeah. next week and uh we'll uh definitely make sure to ask him um questions about the upcoming um things that we learned a little bit about borderlands 2 with a potential dlc that might be coming out between now and this fall yeah, I'm wondering if we're going to hear about it on May 1st. I mean, my theory, not that you asked, but I'm going to I'm gonna say it anyway. Theory? Uh, my theory is we have the May 1st event. They said season one's coming for the Borderlands VIP stuff. I think through community activities, it might be a group effort or individual thing, maybe a mix of both. Um, I think we'll be able to earn things in game might be skins might be weapons. I think if they're going to add weapons that we earn, that's what that rainbow rarity will be used for. And uh, I think they didn't want us to know that that was coming. So they showed off borderlands three rewards for that. And, um, I think we're going to have a reason to fire up and potentially even something new to farm. I mean, they've added brand new things to the game. They're not doing that by accident. They, they, whatever they're working on, um, they're, they're QA testing again. Uh, we still have questions regarding what the hell they were localizing for. So they're doing something. It's there, but because it's encrypted, we won't know. I'm not going to decrypt it. I don't want to go to prison. I want to play Borderlands 3. So if somebody out there wants to risk that, go for it. But <laughs> I'm not doing it. So we we have the hints we have. I might be able to get some insider stuff. But I think what we know now is probably as far as it's going to get. With the new game mode that's supposedly coming to Borderlands 2, what are you speculating on it being? I mean, so... It's it's so the new game mode would be speculation based on what Kobe found in the code. It looks like it could be something that is a horde mode, similar to like you know a hollow dome or something like that. I hope it would be better. Um, and then you know some people are like, well, it could be BR. Like maybe I mean I don't think that's worth their time, but no, if they you. do, sure. I think it. I think. I lie with the people theorizing that potentially it could be another like horde mode type. You know, we have, we have teasers from Brittany Johnson that, you know, maybe angel will be in borderlands three. Maybe she'll be involved in whatever this content is. Maybe it's just marketing, but 
it's weird. And those who have paid attention have noticed. And they added new branches to uh, SteamDB. They're updating you know, 40, 50 times a week, whatever it is, they're working hard. You know, I expect to see the VR come to uh, PC. I do, but it's a very slim chance that what we're watching is that based on, you know, I've spoke to Pavel, the SteamDB creator himself, and he didn't think that's what that was. So, you know, if it is okay, but for now, I, I don't personally believe that. I think it, I think it could be some in-game stuff or maybe even a horde mode. I mean, the hollow dome DLC did give us decent amount of lore, uh, on what some of the characters were doing. So maybe that's what they're going to do. And they'll tell the, you know, 20 million person despair or, uh, difference between tales and borderlands Two. what the hell these tales characters were up to. I mean, that's just theorizing, but, I mean, there's a ton of people that don't know who Reese is, don't know who Fiona is, don't know who Vaughn is, think Tails is the worst because of the gameplay. But in actuality, you know, Gearbox wrote the arc for that story. And, you know, it's very much, you know, at least the, the I guess, the rough outline was their vision. So do people really think that? Because I've always thought Tails was really well received. It was, but the people that criticize it are those that didn't play it because they're like telltale shitty gameplay. It's it says so the good. best story. It's the best story in Borderlands by far. It's great. You know, if you give me the weapon system, expand it a little bit, but the weapon system from Borderlands One, the environments for Borderlands Two, and the end game, the playable characters from the pre-sequel and the story from tales i will never need another game ever again <laughs> in my life <laughs> and that's one of the things i'm really excited about for borderlands 3 is having those tales characters yeah i i absolutely do and i've been told that fiona is supposed to be there so i'm sticking to my guns on that one i think it would be weird to have reese but not fiona considering what happened at the end of tales right. you know they they were in the vault something happened and we still don't know so please tell us. <laughs> That's, oh man, I want to know. Now, Submato, I want to ask you, before we move on to the next segment on the show, what is next for you as a content creator? What can we expect in the future for your channel? Uh, I guess the big ones would be covering uh every aspect of what we learn may 1st then uh, like i said june i go full time so you know steady stream steady content over the summer and then i guess nose to the grindstone for who the hell knows how long once september 13th hits um I plan on, I get this question a lot. I plan on going back to the history of stuff. I need new content, new characters to cover. I didn't ditch the franchise or series or whatever the hell you want to call it because I got sick of it. I love doing that, but you know, it only makes sense to talk about certain things like that. So for me, you know, we're going to do stuff on the playable characters, the new villains, probably V2 stuff on, you know, the returning characters and, planets and events and stuff like that so i'm excited to get back to my roots 
you know, we've talked about the, uh, the insider info and we're talking news, but I'm looking forward to just, you know, playing the game and, you know, talking about the game itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I can definitely agree on that. Also, I'm super excited to play in September. I cannot wait to see what they do with the new, uh, the storyline and also the end game as well. I think uh, that's going to be really game changing with uh, Borderlands Three. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty damn right. <laughs> so, guys, let's talk about some Borderlands news. We got some news this week, and one of the things that we learned this week is that we have some elemental changes that are coming to Borderlands Three. We learned that Slag will not be coming into Borderlands 3 this time around. And good. <laughs> okay, now why, why do you think that's a good thing that we are not getting Slag returning this time around? Endgame, bal- or endgame balancing. UVHM, I think the build diversity was greatly hampered just by the fact that, you know, it it made too much sense to run a grog or a ruby or you know you had to have your slaga or your times four magic missile because you had to debuff these op8 late game enemies otherwise you're going to get abused you know i i have a god tier sal i have the b i have the antagonist i have everything you could want and i still find myself running you know the herald and you know the grog nozzle and i'm running either the antagonist or the b or something like that that's not the whole picture but it's a good example whereas you know you have kobe on next week reborn the first thing i did when i played my first reborn playthrough was do a build that i knew did not do well in uvhm and you know it was viable it was it was fun it was exciting so i think couple the brand loyalty the absence of slag the inclusion of more action skills more uh decisions from players i think the end game is going to be uh something where we can do more and ultimately if we can do more that means i'm going to put more time into this game because i don't have to feel like i need to run a certain build or i'm going to get obliterated Very interesting. And we know that uh, Slag is going to be replaced with a new elemental damage type that will replicate a nuclear radiation effect. Correct. That's pretty interesting. And you think that's going to help with the balancing with the game? uh, Yeah, I mean, I think, bottom line, you have something that will... uh, have some form of debuff i don't know exactly uh if it'll be as severe as slag but it's something that's going to do damage up front it's going to have a debuff and damage over time it can't be super powerful because you know if it does a lot of damage up front or the damage over time is you know really strong that's automatically going to be the most powerful element in the game and i know gearbox knows that like 
nothing else would come close because it does multiple things. And if it hits hard as well, nobody's going to use anything else. So uh, I know that that will be something that's not going to go damaging as ridiculous, which should inherently mean balancing overall should be uh, a little bit better. And I've always joked about two things, the clipping on the objects in Borderlands. So I, you know, it's a running joke, gearbox clipping, but also gearbox balancing. I mean, there's still things that are insanely broken. I'm not saying they're not fun. You know, that's not what I'm trying to say, but compared compare like a, a op8 uh gauge death trap build to you know any sal build or a, a zero bore or really anything else like it's not very viable at all so i i think the things that kind of fell by the wayside will be usable in borderlands 3 which is really exciting it reminds me a lot of what they did in borderlands 1 with the corrosive slag yeah, mix it, it does it does and a lot of people are telling me and i'm like yeah i mean i, I gotta play and experience it you know before the remaster came out oh yeah like 30 hours i did like one well i guess more than that i did one playthrough on mordecai on the uh the first game i got a shit ton of hours in borderlands 2 but i didn't play the first game until like 2014 i never had heard of borderlands until borderlands 2 launched and uh, my younger brother uh, bought it and brought it home, and I was hooked ever since. That was that was me too. I started with Borderlands too. Yeah, yeah, I never heard of it, but I'm glad he bought it because see, I started. It. <laughs> I started with the original Borderlands back in the day in 2009. Me and yeah. my best friend, we would come back from classes and we would play all evening long and i really love the co-op aspect of that game i think it does co-op better than any other game on yeah it's just so well it it, it's i mean depending on the person they'll have their opinion but there's just something about cruising through borderlands that whatever feeling or whatever balancing or whatever reasoning i haven't really found that many other places if at all so that's why i still play that game seven years later every day right and i've put you know hundreds i'm sure thousands of hours into borderlands 2 and honestly the majority of those hours were probably couch co-op yeah and that that i mean that's a that's something that's going out of style right so i'm glad to see that they have split screen back in borderlands 3 definitely going to use that now is that only a console feature or or will it will they be bringing that to pc as well that i don't know i to be completely honest don't really now in my life care about it because it's not something i would worry about i mean i played borderlands 2 couch co-op with my brother briefly but you know now you know i live by myself with my wife she's not a gamer so for me like i, I play solo or i play you know online with a buddy or something so uh i know for certain consoles i do not know about pc that is something that um if you are going to the gameplay event i'd ask about because it's something that more than a few people want to know 
you know, we're going to have to inquire uh, from some of the individuals who are going to this event. We did not get the opportunity to go this time around, but um, maybe sometime in the future we might get a chance yeah. to. That we'll see. Cool. I'll ask you this. Do you think this is the last game in the franchise? Yes. Mm. So do I. I just figured, based off of what you said, that uh, it would be a good question because I, I think this is it. I, in a perfect world, I think this is it. They'll give us like three years of support, so something somewhat similar to how Destiny approached their year two, year three content, and then that'll probably be all she wrote. I mean, if it's a good enough game, if it's yeah. even close to Borderlands 2, it's going to support them financially for years. Absolutely. It's going to rake. So I don't think they'll have to rely on another release, nor I don't. I think the story will end completely in Borderlands 3. So, Yeah, I, I, I'm not too far off that thought. You know, um, go out on a bang, guys. <laughs> Hmm, that's really interesting. Now, how do you guys think they would end the story? I mean, not they don't necessarily need to wrap it up all nice, nice. I, I think there are some things that they would owe the fans, but not everything. I mean, some of the most major characters, they might want to wrap up a little bit, but they don't really need to like knot it up tight, throw a bow on it type of thing. Um I think I would be understanding, but a little bit disappointed if we didn't learn more about the Iridians, but part of the allure of them is not knowing much right. about them. But I mean, I think it has more to do with the characters that we've grown attached to. Um, not necessarily like the story as a whole, because I mean, Marcus has told us, a couple different stories, a few different stories. So uh, they're not necessarily all exactly the same thing. And I wanted to ask to your point, um, you made a video a couple of days ago referencing talking about the characters that haven't been shown yet, that we don't know whether they'll be in Borderlands three. So right. like Axton, Dr. Zed um, of all those characters, not just those two, but all of them, who do you think we'll see? Do you think we'll see all of them? I don't. I don't think we'll see all of them. Um, I think the fan base will be most upset if we don't see Krieg. Um, but yeah, it would not surprise me if some didn't come back. Um, I think certain characters they do owe an explanation on. And if there's going to be characters killed off, I don't know how well you guys have been keeping up, but there's theories running all over the place with the uh, hidden codes in the uh, images. And one of them, after you know several rounds of translation and several different rounds of that image, we got something that said, we don't talk about Sanctuary 2. So people are theorizing that maybe a situation like, you know, Old Haven happened and then, of course, New Haven and everything. So, you know, I'm wondering if maybe the Children of the Vault took it over or, you know, they were trying to travel somewhere and it crashed and killed some people. I think that is interesting, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think the fan base would be pissed if they didn't uh, show 
an event that serious. I mean, I know the fall of New Haven is something that people desperately wanted to play and experience. So I think if they were to do something and make a mistake like that again, a lot of people would be upset. I liked your theory about Krieg. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I know it's a little outlandish, but it wouldn't surprise me, man. It got a little bit deeper than I wanted that video to be. <laughs> but I mean, it's in the lore, man. So it's interesting. I, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, I, I think that battle between the outer and inner voice, the sane versus insane. I mean, at some point, <sighs> I'm not going to say death's better, but at some point... Me, I imagine that sane voice is going to want out, you right. know, having minimal control. So, you know, it's overall Krieg is a very tragic character. So, if any of the characters that I spoke about in that video were gonna die, it would make the most sense that Krieg would. But to do it off screen, I think would be a mistake. That's one thing I really like about the Borderlands <laughs> series. That's completely different than anything we've ever seen. It's how they take playable characters and make them NPCs. And to take a playable character like Krieg that you hear a story from. You know, to take a story from just what you hear from playing the game and then making him into a character like they did Mordecai, Lilith, Brick, and them. I find that really interesting and it excites me about Borderlands 3. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Borderlands is... I mean, there's people doing content on the games for a living, and it's been years since there's been anything new. So, you know, people are still clearly invested, clearly interested. I mean, if you look around, there's a ridiculous amount of content creators that plan to cover Borderlands or are excited to go back to Borderlands. I mean, that longevity, that excitement means they did something right. And a lot of people like, I never understood the create a character thing. Part of the reason why Borderlands is so cool is they do playable characters so damn good. I just, for me, the create a character thing, I don't think I'll ever fall in line and, you know, want something like that in a Borderlands game because that's not Borderlands. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it would deviate too much from what Borderlands is in its core. So, yeah, um, definitely agree. Now, I know you mentioned that uh, there was some more information that came out from the uh, teaser that Gearbox revealed. And we had mention of uh, Sanctuary 2. Correct. There was a moon emoji and a key emoji around a Sanctuary 3 ship in Correct. one of the art pieces. Mm -hmm. And I found it very interesting because it gives us a slight hint as to where we're going to go in the new game. And I think that they even talked about it back um, during PAX East, how Borderlands 3 will be the biggest environment that they've ever built in the game to the to yep. date that's right so it's going to be very interesting to see what sanctuary 2 turns out to be uh we know that it will be the home base for the crimson raiders that's right and um 
what are some of the things that uh, you guys are excited about with the new uh, environments that uh, we're, we can expect with Borderlands 3? Most of all, I don't know. I'm curious to see what you think of this submodo or submodo. Um, the Malawan oh, City. Okay. I'm very excited to see first to know. Right. Brilliance. So point. I can offer some insight. So okay. we start off on Pandora, we leave. Uh, eventually we make it to Eden 6. Promethea is the last stop. Now, I do know for a fact there is somewhere else we will be. I don't have a name of where that'll be. Uh, Promethea, we will be romping around with Zero, uh, predominantly in the city. And um, it's interesting. Originally, I thought Malibon City, right? I looked into more of the teasers and stuff, and a lot of the colorways on the buildings and things like that suggest being attacked as well as the Atlas colors. And we see buildings on fire. And in the uh, brief screen where Reese and Zero are together with the other Crimson Lance, you can see that same city in the background. So I believe it, at the very least, could be a half Atlas, half Maliwan city, and Maliwan wanted it all, or it was an Atlas city, and Maliwan wanted it all. Interesting. Um, I've known for a very long time that part of the uh, conflict in the game is between Atlas and Maliwan. Um, I'm really excited to see it. It's kind of going to be weird because Maliwan's been my favorite um, for a long time. Now they're the bad guys. I don't know about that. So it's going to be weird, but I'm definitely like ready to, you know, fight for the characters I know, Reese, Zero, the other Raiders and stuff. So whoever comes between, you know, us and them, hey, they're going, but it's going to be exciting. I, I think the variety is something to look forward to. And um, I really want to know the other place or places that we're going to go, whether it's planet or planets, or planet and moon, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I do know that we do some work with Reese, and it might involve uh, dealing with some competition, but uh, that's about all I'll say. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Now, how about endgame content in Borderlands 3? <sighs> Ah, it better be lengthy. It better be exciting. I mean, according to Randy, there's more of all of the things, DLC, headhunters, raid bosses, that sort of thing. So if he's to be trusted, which in this case I do, uh, there should be a lot more to do. And apparently there's also something called Master Vault Hunter Mode. I don't know if it replaces UVHM or it's something after UVHM, but it's something I can pretty confidently say is in the game. That's about as much as I know about it, but uh, that suggests maybe it's going deeper, more challenging. Uh, your you, theories would be welcome because, like I said, that's about all I know about it. Are you expecting massive raids like Destiny-like almost? 
I don't know if they'll go that far. I've long said that. So I've always been a defender of Master Gi. I think he's a shitty boss, but I really, really appreciated what Gearbox tried to do with Gi. <laughs> um, it wasn't just a shoot for a while, health gate, and try to do your best not to go down and all this type of shit. Um, so I appreciate what they were going for. I think, I think that boss fights raid boss or otherwise in this game are well i know that some of them are going to be more dynamic or have multiple phases but i think with the raids it would be way better if they were more involved it doesn't have to be something where you need a team or anything but you know give me something that isn't a freaking arena with a guy with like billions of health right so if they do that i'll be very happy I would too. How how many players do you think that we can potentially expect to be playing alongside with with some of the end game content? I know that games like The Division, they're doing at least six player end game, if not more. And Destiny we mentioned obviously has six player activities. Do yeah, you I think play that we might three. be able to get, you know, maybe 10 player battles where you have to play with larger groups where they kind of embrace more of a RPG element with the game? I don't know. It depends on what they would value the most. And traditionally it's been 4. So, um if they were to do that, I would be happy to see it be 6, but I don't know if they would. Um, I would like to see six-player endgame, though. I think that would be very fun. Um, I also would like to see six to eight playable characters as well. So we'll have to see on that one. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And hopefully we get some more information about this uh, during the May 1st reveal yeah, we're going to learn a lot. I don't know if it'll be end game. It certainly won't be story spoilers, but we're going to learn a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get too much in terms of end game, period. I, I think that it's going to be, you know, kept as a secret until the game is out. And then we'll kind of discover these things on our own as we play the game. Um, I could potentially see them maybe giving us like a little piece of art to hint at some of the end game maybe i would say july august right before the game is just about ready to come out it's smart i mean they they i'm sure there was something to do with the whole epic announcement but them breaking up what they shared with us ensures that they're going to be the number one thing talked about for a whole nother week so you know 328 we get the reveal then they wait and we get the release date announced the next week. So that's two, at least two weeks where they're the number one thing talked about in the video game space. And of course, I'm sure some of it had to do with the unsavory announcement that it was going to be an epic exclusive. But now we have the gameplay event. You know, you fast forward a few weeks, and then you're going to have another couple weeks where they're going to be the most talked about game. So. The more they do to keep us talking about it, that's in their best interest. And I know they know that based on what I've seen. So I expect to see um, 
I expect to see pretty regular new stuff that keeps content creators, media, and everyone in between chatting about it. Yeah, it's going to be exciting summer, and uh, it's going to be an exciting fall once we finally get to play Borderlands 3. It's, it's definitely one of the hottest games of this year. Without a doubt. I know you said, I believe it was before we started recording, that you think Borderlands 3 will be... Uh, not if The Last of Us 2 is really good. <laughs> Apparently, well, I mean, more than a few uh, pretty well-received, good reputation people say that it's going to be out this year. And there really? was also a leak recently that said that it was going to be out at the end of September. I don't personally believe that, but I do believe it'll be out this year. Um, and if it is, good luck. Because the last one swept the swept the entire thing. You right. know, it won like eighty or ninety percent of the votes. So, um, good luck. I would like to see it. I'm sure it'll win some, um, but uh, a game like that from that well respected of a studio is going to be hard to beat if it is of Naughty Dog quality. So, right. I think it's got a shot. But it needs it needs a couple things to maybe get delayed or pushed into the next year, and I mean it also has to do its job. Uh, you got to remember, it might not be that great when it launches, but we got to wait for the you know final level where you know it's seventy two or whatever it's going to be, and all the content. I mean, Borderlands Two is good, but it wasn't great until we got all of the end game stuff. And that's not going to be available immediately. So unless it's going to be out before the end of the year, it's going to have to be a damn good vanilla base game. Yeah, it would have to be out by December like 7th. I mean, it, something like that. So I think maybe the better discussion would be, does it have a run at 2020? Which, since it's still being supported, it should. So I think if they do everything right plus you know what they've shared what i know i I think it's got a good chance to be you know a game that is in the 85 90 range and maybe even more it's good to hear i don't know if it'll go further than that because there's a lot of shitters out there that you know have a bone to pick with gearbox or boycotting the game which i mean to a degree i could probably you know reason with a bit but come on man (laughs) Yeah, like review bombing. We talked about that episode one. Yeah, I mean, that was another thing that pissed me off. All the Gearbox developed, well, not all of them. I don't want to generalize, but more than a few, including Randy himself complaining and reaming Steam. It's like, do you guys not know that they have policies in place to deal with this? Like, they were going to be removed. I said it, I contested it, and guess what happened? Like 5,000 reviews were removed and discredited from the overall, you know, score that it shows on Steam. So, you know, it goes both ways. You can't nitpick and disregard the stuff for Epic and Gearbox. You need to stop shitting on Steam in the same week that you're praising Steam because Risk of Rain 2 is selling copies hand over fist. Which is it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's tough to keep everybody happy. There's always going to be something that, you know, one group of individuals. Yeah, the medium like video games, no doubt. And. I think they just overall they need to do a better job with their public image. Yeah, we, we talked that's about just, that also about uh, Randy Pitchford and that's, that's something that many people have the same thought. So it's not individual to just us, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I was 2K, you know, I would tell them like straight up, you got to get off Twitter. Or you got to use like a team. You can't tell customers to go fuck themselves. Yeah, exactly. Which, he's, I mean, that. he's done a lot the past two weeks. It's <laughs> almost to that point to where, well, I think it's actually past that point to where he needs to at least have one person that he runs a tweet by. Yeah, or I mean, sit on it out. or something. I mean, look, I don't know, look, he's not going to see it, but if he does, I get it. You have thousands of people reaming you out for a decision you did not make. It is frustrating, but it's a bad look. It's the same reason why people get upset with other leaders and you know business owners on Twitter. It's just, look, man, you could be good 99% of the time. That one time you slip, it's going to be noticed. But when you're doing it like 50% or more of the time, you can't miss it. I agree 100% with that. Now, we know that we talked about some of the things that were leaked by Captain Kobe about Borderlands 2 DLC content potentially coming out sometime between now and this fall. And it started out with the rainbow tier uh, being revealed. Now, do we have any indication on what this will be and when it will be coming out? Unfortunately, SteamDB does not give you those answers. Um, again, heavily encrypted, and I, uh, <laughs> I just, uh, I don't have anything. Um, it, it's a lot of. I guess I guess best way to describe SteamDB is for every question you answer, there's about five new unanswered questions. <laughs> so every time you feel like you're getting closer, you're getting further away. Um, we have a pretty good general idea. And fortunately, I've made some connections with some people that uh, are web developers, game developers, people that have experience with like more of backend stuff on Steam. So... I've gotten a lot of insight and, you know, they all say the same thing. It comes down to the fact that you're not going to see what's there and pretty much until it comes out or they screw up and they have their code names. It's not like they're naming like, oh, secret DLC here or anything like that. So uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of fact, but it's a mountain of speculation. So they're working on something else. Do we see it? That's up to them. But something else is going on. I mean, you don't work this hard. You don't localize. You don't QA test and do all this stuff that much for nothing. So for what it ends up being, I'm sure Rainbow Rarity will be involved. But uh, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say for certain because I, I just don't know. You know, we theorize that it could be another headhunter that bridges the story to three for people that didn't play Tales. We theorize that um more recently we theorized that maybe it's a horde mode based off of some of the code that we found but it's impossible to say i assume that if it's close they'll mention it may 1st if it's not then well i guess that'll be something we'll have to wait until e3 even though apparently they won't be there or maybe even you know gamescom so yeah your guess is as good as mine that's really interesting so they're not going to be present at e3 this year Apparently, uh, that is not something that I have anything on that comes from some of the people that were uh, media in the room. And they're uh, saying that allegedly uh, Randy Pitchford said they wouldn't be present at E3. So it's up to you if you believe them. It wouldn't surprise me because E3 is kind of going out of style and they've kind of said all they were going to say, plus had, you know, packs and now their own event. So it wouldn't surprise me if they weren't there. Maybe release a little trailer or something, but it would not surprise me if they weren't there. Mm, that's really interesting. I mean, with all the uh, with all the people that have well companies that have bailed out. I mean, Sony's not going, and you have a bunch of companies that are doing stuff outside of E three around the same time. I mean. I guess they don't believe in E3 or maybe the timing's not right. I'm not sure what it is, but you've had some high profile companies and studios just stop doing E3. Yeah. PlayStation won't be at E3 this year. Um, I mean, I it makes sense EA for PlayStation also. Yeah, I think you're right on EA. Um, but PlayStation, I mean, it's the 25th anniversary of the brand. They're going to have a huge PlayStation experience, and they're probably going to talk about uh, the PlayStation 5 and stuff. So that, in my opinion, is the event of the year that I'm looking forward to because I expect it to be massive. But even though like Xbox and Nintendo are still there, them and PlayStation are now doing their, you know, every couple of weeks they do their like Xbox. I don't remember what they're called. Um, yeah, you know, I know they're streaming and they announce mm-hmm. games and updates and stuff. Honestly, it's, I like it better that way. I do too. It's like E3, you just miss too much. It's overstimulating. There's just right. too many huge announcements. And yeah, I agree. I know that it almost feels like it's overwhelming because you're, you're getting so many announcements just dropped one after the other where... Uh, game developers and publishers don't really have enough time to really get noticed and i feel like they're spending so much money on you know creating these massive booths and and all of these different experiences but they're not necessarily gaining from that and they're almost adapting more of the nintendo direct model with how nintendo has been doing their announcements over the past i would say seven eight years now yeah i mean it's working so why not you know i don't know if it has anything to do with it but e3 is public now i wonder if Maybe that has something to do with companies just bailing out because it always used to be like an industry only type of thing. And you would 
consider yourself lucky as you know a streamer or a youtuber actually to get to go there but now you know they have the public tickets so i wonder if maybe it's something to do with that that's that's interesting because gdc has really become that kind of just developer type of conference yeah i mean i don't know if there's anything to it just an interesting thought timing wise you know maybe it makes sense yeah, I'm I'm thinking that it might just be that it's one of those off years in the video game space for most of these companies. With Sony, they weren't really ready to show anything this year. I don't think they're going to have anything really that significant this year. I think they're going to wait until next year to really release the next generation PlayStation and then really push all of the big titles that, you know, we would want to see this year. But it's going to be slower for Sony. So I think that was part of them not wanting to be at E3. They didn't really want to show off whatever the next PlayStation will be because they're going to have to compete with other uh, companies that are trying to show off their content on the big stage at E3. So they're going to be waiting until the end of the year to show things off on their own stage, I think. Um, and then you have companies like EA. I think EA is going through some turbulent times. They're trying to figure out how to monetize on their you know, games and how to uh, get into a profitable shape. So they're still trying to figure a lot of things out. So that probably has something to do with them not being at E3 this year also. And it gives, of course, Xbox and Nintendo showcase their their products on on the bigger stage and i think there are rumors going around that nintendo will be oh, releasing be cool. a new uh switch pro model that that'd be really be cool revealed. yeah um yeah a lot of uh, content creators like super metal dave and spawn wave they've been reporting a lot on this one and they're expecting two new models for the switch uh there's supposed to be a switch mini which is supposed to be a cheaper version of the fully switch hand- that's fully handheld, for right? i don't want s- yeah. yep mm-hmm, fully handheld yep so that's expected to drop sometime shortly after E3 and then the Switch Pro model that's supposed to be more of a in-between upgrade kind of like what we had with the PlayStation in comparison to the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox I mean, and the Xbox the One PS- X. The PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X have been quite successful so if I were Nintendo I'd be trying to get in on that action plus you know kind of extends the generation as well so you know you you put out the the money up front you take the hit on the hardware and you can push more software so i mean that ain't bad what did you guys think of the disc discless xbox one s i mean depends on where you're at <laughs> like me i have fiber internet so i rarely buy anything on disc i mean the first the first game and god knows how long days gone will be here on friday and it was only because i did like an amazon promotion and i had money to spend so i was like all right let's just get days gone but yeah i mean i think it's i think 
could end. I mean, as infrastructure gets better, that's probably going to be the way things are. Yeah, according to analysts, by 2022, our industry will go all digital, which is really interesting to think about that. Because for me personally, I'm kind of old school when it comes to that mentality where I like having a physical product. I like having that physical item because you never really know if the content that you purchased will always be there with you forever because which i agree because if the server shut down that's yeah, the thing license, you never really right? purchase I mean, that's it. what they consider counter-strike skins you're licensing like the pixels you don't technically own them so it, i see where the concern is i mean i mean how many times you have a game you love and then the server shut down and you might as well just break the disc in half like and, and that's it's a scary yeah, thing and that's more of a thing with games as a service type of model for example with games like destiny once the servers are offline guess what you can't play anything whether you want to play the campaign or anything else you can't but like the hedgehog on the genesis you can still play that game because it's not Absolutely. dependent on that online functionality for you to enjoy that game. So I, I hope so that's one of the things that I'm concerned about with the new Xbox being PlayStation 5, presumably the PlayStation 5, it will have a disk drive. So it's not going to be something that as an industry that we're going to completely And I enjoy having that 4K Blu-ray player on it because my PS4 Pro oh, doesn't absolutely. have that, right? And you still will get the best video. To that of Netflix 4K, for example. Yeah, that's another thing that's going to be interesting. It's kind of a sidebar, but... Um... You have like streaming services for straight up games. You know, PlayStation Now, I believe is what it's called. I tried it and the idea is sweet. Like the quality isn't there yet. Like, you know, I played Red Dead and a couple other games and they stream in like 720. The quality is, it's not great. It's enough to get by and play the game, but it definitely like, hampers what I thought about the experience. But I mean, once they get it to like, you know, 1080 or 4K or wherever it's headed, that's going to be pretty cool. I mean, I think there's going to be some very successful things that are launched by either Sony or Microsoft or maybe even a third party. Google Stadia yeah, I mean, did get announced. What do you guys... <laughs> I don't know enough about it to have an opinion on it just yet. I don't... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in that same spot. Though I do expect it to be, I do kind of believe it'll be successful only because, you know, it got announced like earlier this year or late last year, probably earlier this year. And they're already releasing it this fall. That's such a quick turnaround that they've got to know that they have something that's going to be a hit. I think I talked about this earlier in an earlier episode. I don't know why you would announce something and then release it a couple months later. If it's not going to be something that you fully believe will be a hit. 
That's not a bad way to look at it. See, my feeling is that they are rushing the product to market because they do not want to compete against whatever Xbox and Sony will be coming out with. Because Google is very new at the video game space. They realize that, according to analysts, we're going all digital by 2022. And the video game industry is a pretty big industry if you think about it. So that's a lot of money for them to control. Because there is a lot of significance to having a discless Xbox. More than what we might even appreciate right now and realize right now because this will impact retailers like GameStop because if you're not selling a disc then how are retailers monetizing how is the uh, economy of our video game purchases being controlled is it only being controlled by that one company on that platform that's essentially Microsoft or are other competitors going to be allowed within the space? Maybe Steam on Xbox or Steam on PlayStation. It's an interesting thought, right? Or Xbox on Nintendo. Which, sort of. Which they're, they're kind of already working doing. <laughs> together. We're definitely adapting a more open ecosystem, but I don't know if they will go as far as to allow for you know Xbox purchases to be made on Sony PlayStation or vice versa, or even Nintendo. Although Xbox on Nintendo might be more of a realistic thing because I think Xbox, or rather, I'm sorry, Nintendo is still struggling with their online infrastructure. So Xbox brings a lot of benefits to the table to make the Nintendo Switch a much more richer platform. Imagine if you could play Halo on the Switch. That would be pretty awesome. Or Borderlands, right? That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's certainly where the future is headed. Just depends on who's going to play nice. And if anything, what we've seen isn't much to go off of they don't necessarily want to play night i mean some of them do but we have our bad eggs no playstation are hey, playstation they're, they're the <laughs> yeah. thanks sony we appreciate get we appreciate the name changes that was awesome finally yeah that was like five <laughs> years <time>. late <laughs> and hey we oh are. man i I mean, the exclusives, I love the exclusives, but they got to get cross-platform right. So well, many I mean, people are let's, angry let's put at them this and way. boycotting them. Microsoft wasn't, you know, easy to work with when they were the king of the generation. People seem to forget that. Sony might be a little bit more difficult, but I mean, they they didn't just win this generation. They steamrolled it, so... You know, they're right. probably looking more like, hmm, are we really just giving away the control that we have earned? Or, and I, I think they're looking at it the wrong way, but I can understand some of the concerns, you know, uh, to a degree, but you can't piss off the people that are playing. You know, the new generation's coming, and I think it's going to be a lot more of an even playing field. And I don't want to say there's some people that are brand loyal, but I mean, 
you know, I grew up with Sony, switched to Xbox 360, and then returned to, well, I mean, I had both consoles up until a couple of years ago. But, yeah, I mean, that dominance kind of gets reset with the next generation. It does, but I think Xbox is going to oh, come absolutely. out swinging. They've been swinging already, and they've been making a lot of moves that make me really happy. And if they want to, they want to win me over. Give me Game Pass on PC. I will love you forever, Phil. It's been rumored so many <laughs> times. That'll be insta purchase. It's such a good deal. I would love to see something similar, uh, like through Steam or something like Origin Access. I think that's great as I well. I can definitely see them doing that because if you think about it, Microsoft essentially controls the desktop market. So for them to add Xbox online play, it wouldn't be that out of uh, realm of possibility. But yeah, we really appreciate you being on the podcast with us. Of course, man. I mean, I appreciate you working around my schedule. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun chatting with you. Yeah, it's been like two um, hours, man. It went by like that. Yeah, right. It's crazy. <laughs> now, where can we learn more about you? Where can you learn more about me? I mean, I don't. I don't really, I mean, you follow me on social media, pretty much I'm active in my discord and Twitter. I uh, go by the same name as a uh, channel, but learn more about me. I don't think people are really here for me. So <laughs> we'll talk, talk borderlands. <laughs> that's, that's one thing, but I guess the most personal you can get with me is probably my Snapchat, which is uh same as my YouTube channel minus, minus the capitals. So if you want to follow me for, you know, gym photos or food, then be my guest. <laughs> awesome. And, and where can we find your YouTube content more specifically? So, you know, youtube.com slash Got that nice, crispy, unique handle. Very awesome. And Submato, thank you so much for being on with us tonight. And we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yep. Thank you. You got it, man. Hit me up sometime, you know, maybe over the summer we'll do it again. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you back on the show. Great. Yeah, we'll have fresh stuff to talk about then. You know, we got a, a whole lot coming. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for being on with us, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Of course. Bye. So, Caleb, let's talk about our expectations for the Borderlands 3 May 1st gameplay reveal event. What do you think we'll see on May 1st? Um, we kind of touched on it last week. I'm kind of expecting maybe some side quests that we can see and kind of see the different features that they've i feel like that's probably how they'll show the new features off through those side quests so they don't reveal any story but they can still show it through gameplay that's kind of what i'm expecting what about you i think we're going to get some gameplay of earlier missions introductory missions they might show one of the later missions to give us a little tease a little hint 
but I don't think we can expect to get any kind of endgame content or, or any information about endgame or story for that matter. I think it's going to be showing off some of the new environments that are in the game. They're not going to show off everything, obviously. They might show us a world or two that we'll be visiting in uh, Borderlands 3. I think they're going to show off the UI, too. I think we're going to get to see some of the UI changes that they're adapting with the new game. So we're going to get to see uh, some of the new subclasses and some of the new uh, weapon types that are being introduced. I mean, with over a billion weapons, they're going to have a lot to show. So I think some of that we're going to see during this gameplay event. Right. And I'm sure we'll probably see the new element. Yeah. It, it things like that that don't really spoil the story for the players they're they're going to show us in some way or spoiling any kind of end game i think with end game with story they're going to want you to discover these things on your own and i think they're going to really make sure to not give us too much uh during the may may 1st uh reveal yeah, you don't want to give away too much, especially this close to release. Now, do you think we're going to learn a whole lot more about the characters that we haven't yet talked about or heard about? I I hope so. But at the same time, I also kind of want it to be a surprise with some of those characters. So I want to be, you know, sitting down and playing Borderlands 3 for the first time and then up on the screen pops uh, Fiona or Sasha, Dr. Zed. Like, okay, they are in it. Good. You know? Yeah, it's always good to have surprises. It, you know, it it would suck for them to reveal everything that's going to be really cool about the game and surprising about the game during a cutscene. That would be kind of anticlimactic. And actually... When Forsaken came out, that was the DLC that was really well-received that came out in, uh, once say, September of 2018 is when that came out. And months leading up to it, they kind of spoiled the main thing that Cade 6 was going to die. And I don't know, for me personally, I really wish they didn't do that because that was a pretty big part of the storyline that they just essentially not only gave away but they milked it to such an extent where it's like all right i get it he's gonna die then you know they're gonna have a funeral for him and have like little parties for him leading up to the game's release when we can finally play the activity and it's like dude i get it he's dead it's not as effective as opposed to me playing the game and all of a sudden it's like holy shit this guy is fucking dead you know that's more powerful. That's more meaningful than than them essentially using the plot to serve a marketing purpose rather than a storyline purpose of you giving me a really awesome, unique experience as a player. Like imagine watching an episode of Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead whatever show you enjoy watching and they spoil a plot line during like a teaser. And then you're thinking like, well, holy shit, you guys just spoiled the whole thing for me. Like, why'd you guys do that? 
I wouldn't want that to be the case with the May 1st reveal. So I hope we don't get any kind of storyline. I'd like to see some of the art and some of the inspiration behind their art design. Those are things that are really interesting and also give players a different take on the game. I didn't play Forsaken because I had already fallen off Destiny 2 by then. But I remember covering that story and just thinking what their reasoning was behind that. But it reminds me of almost of the clip of Lilith in the reveal mm, trailer. That's interesting. You know, when she's crawling away from the Clipso twins. It's essentially the same thing. Even though she's not dead yet. It's obvious that her powers have been taken. That's a major plot point, it looks like. So, I don't know. Kind of looks like they did the same thing. But they didn't really say that. They didn't say, okay, this person's dead. Right? That's right. They didn't. So, you're. I, I you're still feel like it's a major plot point, though. Yeah. Do you think that it was kind of the same way that how Bungie handled? Forsaken and Cade 6? It, I mean, it looks, they both look like major plot points. The only difference, I think, is Forsaken trailer was to draw people back in because a lot of people had fallen off of Destiny 2. So they, it was made mainly a marketing tactic to get people back in, like you mentioned. So I feel like that's the difference. Yeah, I think that they're not pushing it as a marketing thing this time around with this game. So, you know, and there's so many different questions that are still unanswered, and I'm sure some of them will be answered with the May 1st reveal. And so many content creators were invited to this event for a reason, because they want to build up the hype leading up to the September 13th uh, game release. So we're going to learn a lot. We're going to have a lot of speculations from content creators who are covering Borderlands and who are going to be attending the May 1st reveal. And there will be stuff that, you know, they may not even be able to talk about because they will have certain NDAs that they may have signed that will prevent them from saying certain things. And that's understandable, too. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to have those people on excited to hear everything about the event. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really exciting to hear all of the different perspectives from different community members on how they took the event, what went well, what didn't go well. Some of the things that we are actually going to learn from the announcements that will be made and some of the videos that I'm sure we will get a chance to see. And who knows, we might even get a chance to see a magic trick or two, right? You know, that might happen. <laughs> I know that Randy Pitchford loves loves doing magic tricks. Oh boy. So we'll see. Um, really exciting times. And I know next week we're gonna have Captain Kobe on the podcast. And it's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, we're gonna talk about what he does in the Borderlands community. So 
I am really excited to get a chance to learn more about what he does and uh, learning more about his uh, update that he released uh, recently with his new mod. And we will have that episode out next Tuesday, I want to say. Yes. So definitely look out for that. And thank thank you, everyone, for supporting us. We really appreciate your support. We are trending in countries that I didn't even know existed. Just kidding. <laughs> Let's look this up because I'm curious. Total joke. Yes, I'm working on my jokes, too, so I'm getting better. But as of right now, we're kind of a big deal in specific countries, including the United States. I know, hard to imagine. We are currently on Apple Podcasts at number 350 in the Games and Hobbies category in the U.S. Holy shit, it's a guys. a broad category. It is. It is a pretty broad category. Now, if you want to get a little more specific, we are also on the Apple Podcasts US video games category, and we're at number 265. Holy shit, guys. Thank you. We are... Yes, thank you. Also number... 198 in Brazil. We love Brazil. Thank you, Brazil. In the video games category, we are at number 137 in Singapore in the games and hobbies category and number 64 in the video games category. Holy crap. We are pretty popular in Singapore. Awesome. And... Just recently, we appeared on the Spotify charts in France in the games category at number 97. Thank you very much, France. So I am really, really excited about finally doing a Borderlands podcast. And we're going to be doing some really awesome things on this podcast. We're going to have interviews. We're going to do magic tricks. We're going to talk about rumors. We're going to talk about news. We're going to try to offer something unique and different uh, to our audience each and every week. And I am super excited. And before we wrap things up for the evening, I do want to give out our honorable mentions of the week. And Caleb, do you have any that you want to give out? Yeah, um, they're all that all all three. Of those are the one thing, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so three separate people DM'd us or sent us just thankful messages and just being really grateful for the podcast, telling us to keep doing it because they love it. We love to see that, and we we do read those, and we absolutely are so thankful for those messages and the support. Yes, absolutely. And I'd like to share 
three of these messages that we got from our awesome listeners, and we'd like to give them an honorable mention on the podcast. And first up, we have B Train. Thank you very much, B Train, with four E's. B with four E's underscore train. Thank you so much for the message. And he says, Hey guys, I stumbled on your podcast because I have been looking the past few weeks for a podcast to keep up with Borderlands news since I started replaying Borderlands about a month or so ago. Coming from the Destiny slash Halo world, here is a ton of podcasts I usually listen to on our hour drive to work. So I'm glad someone finally decided to do a podcast for Borderlands. I used to play Borderlands 2 a whole uh, ton back when it came out and I was in college. After a while, I moved on to Mostly Destiny, but with all the new news about Borderlands 2, I made the switch back and have been playing all three games a ton. B-Train, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for your message. He does go on to state, keep up the great work, guys, and thank you. And we will. We will work harder to bring you more Borderlands content each and every week. And we're going to be having more guests on the podcast, too, to give you that unique perspective that you cannot find anywhere else. And moving on, we also have Hamlet. Thank you so much, Hamlet, for your message. He recommended that we have Sup Matto on the podcast. And I said, you know what? I'm going to reach out to this guy and see if he would be willing to be on the show. And surely enough, Sup Matto was really awesome. And he was an awesome guest on the podcast this week. And we're going to be doing a lot more of this. So if you have any recommendations for guests that you want to see on the podcast, please let us know on social media, on Twitter at Borderlands3POD. And you can also find us very soon on our brand new website at Borderlandsshow.com. I'm actually working on the website this week and hopefully i will have it done by the end of the week or hopefully by monday you can also find us on instagram.com slash the borderland show yes and do you want me to read the third yes please do this is from i want to say don't get mad at me if i butcher your name spurgo fatal it says Please, man, don't stop with the podcast. I haven't finished already, but I found your show like 30 minutes ago and I wanted to write to you. I'm from Italy, huge fan of Borderlands since I was a kid, and I I, I ask that you please continue. Those messages are great, and they just help us keep going. Not that we're going to stop, but we're really thankful. So thank you, guys. Yeah, we really appreciate your support. And I want to give out one more shout out to uh, Geta. She is a fan of the game also on Twitter. And she wrote, just wanted to say, I appreciate what you guys are doing. 
And also the podcast kind of reminds me of Gage's Echologs, LOL. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank you, Geta. We will keep it up. We will continue to record the podcast for you each and every week, and we will have more exciting things to share with the community about other cool things that we're going to be working on, too, in the not-too-distant future. So thank you very much for all of your support. We really appreciate you guys. And we will be back next week on Tuesday with a new episode with Captain Kobe. We're going to talk about the new uh, update that he released with his new um, mod. And I, I guess it's not a new mod, right? It's been around for quite some time. Yeah, it's been around for a while, the update he just dropped, though. And it is called Borderlands 2 Reborn. So if you want to learn more about Borderlands 2 Reborn or Captain Kobe, we highly encourage that you check out the episode that we will be bringing to you next Tuesday of the Borderlands Show podcast. So I guess, is there anything else that you want to mention on the show before we wrap things up for the night? Um, nothing except we apologize that this is going out a day late. Yes, we're sorry that uh, due to scheduling differences, we weren't able to bring you the podcast on Tuesday this week. But we promise that it will be worth the listen and you will have the episode out on Wednesday, one day late, but it'll be totally worth it. And thank you so much, guys, for supporting us, for listening to the podcast, for subscribing to us and for following us on the twitter we are up to let's take a look we're currently at 139 followers holy smokes that's exciting so thank you for your support keep it up share this podcast with your friends if you like what you hear and make sure to leave us a review on your favorite platform where you listen to podcasts and you can find the borderlands show podcast on all major platforms including apple podcasts google podcasts spotify anchor podbean and the list goes on you can also find us on instagram at the borderlands show and you can find us on twitter at borderlands 3 pod we also have a Discord that you can join for some pretty cool things that we're building. We're going to have a LFG in the Discord community, and we're going to be adding some cool new ways for us to interact with the community live during the podcast. So definitely keep an eye on that, and we will include in the show notes the link to the Discord if you want to join us. So, Caleb, on that note, where can we learn more about you? You can find me on Twitter at CWilmoth15. That's C-W-I-L-M-O-T-H, the number 15. I need more followers, so come follow me. Go follow him. Go follow me. We're going to have his Twitter in the show notes. So make sure to go give him some love, give him some follows. And you can find me 
on the Twitter at OMG Cornholio. You can also find me on twitch.tv forward slash I am Cornholio. I will be streaming a lot more and I'll be streaming Borderlands and Destiny. So make sure to check that out as well. And we appreciate your support. And by next episode, we will have a brand new website that I cannot wait to share with you. I've been working on that pretty much all of my free time the last few days. And uh, I cannot wait to share it with you all at borderlandsshow.com. So till next time, Vault Hunters, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Borderlands Podcast.